You're watching the Sports Objective, the podcast for pirates. All right, welcome into the Sports Objective as we're here live here on a Tuesday night. My good buddy from China Grove, Bubba Rosenbaum. What's up, dude? What's going on, Dave? Um, you know, a little bit of a cool rainy night here in China Grove, but um, just a little over 50 degrees. Not too bad, but excited to talk some college football and put a bow on the 2022 season. We'll talk East Carolina, the American, and a lot of other topics with uh, one of our favorite guests, Rini Angolia from ESPN. Rini, how are you? I'm doing good, guys. Happy New Year. Haven't talked to you in a while, but uh, yeah, glad to join you once again. All right, we'll also bring in Kyle from LaGrange Barber. What's up, dude? What's going on, guys? Uh, good to have Rennie with us again. No doubt. Rennie, uh, starting off, by the way, uh, want to get your thoughts on the college football season. It's kind of a sad time for us because uh, – no college football, but uh, speaking of which, speaking of sad, last Monday night, that national championship <laughs> game, uh, that was very depressing. I usually stay up really late. I shouldn't stay up, and I feel bad. I'm sleep-deprived, and I'm like, well, at least it was a good game, or blah, blah, blah. Like, I will tell you this. I went to sleep at halftime. I'm not going to lie. I was like, I've seen this bad movie. I know what's going to happen. No reason to watch it. Well, you know, the, the sad thing is we had such great semifinals, right? So... We were like, and you know, and everyone usually complains because, you know, it's the, the year where the semifinals fall on New Year's Eve and it's never, ever, you know, a good time. But they were great games, great ratings, and then just a big dud, the championship game. And, you know, it kind of feel for TCU. I had them this year. I did the uh, Iron Skillet rivalry, the TCU-SMU game, a game that SMU uh, was in right to the end. Um, and, and I'd be lying to you back then if I would have told you, yeah, this TCU team is going to end up in the national championship game. But, you know, give Sonny Dykes credit. Um, they, they, they fought their tails off and uh, played well this year. Just unfortunately, they ran in to a Georgia team that played like the Georgia team uh, we knew they could. They didn't necessarily do that all year because, frankly, you know, if you're not challenged, sometimes it's hard for those really good teams and, boy, they put it together. And I think it's safe to say I don't care who they would have played that night. You could have inserted any team you want. Now, the game might have been better and more interesting and a little more compelling, but they were going to win that game. That's how dominant they were. I don't care who you put in there. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't think anybody would have beat Georgia that night. I, I do have a question for you that I've been thinking about um, with this TCU team. They had a, a month to prepare for Michigan. And um, Sonny Dykes is a good offensive mind. He, he'll he'll out scheme you. Do you think if the, if it was roles reversed, they played Georgia in the semis, and they had a month to prepare for him? I don't think the results would have been different, but I think the game would have been different. No, I agree with you, Kyle. Absolutely. And and you know, and Joe Gillespie, the defensive coordinator, which you guys know because obviously he was in the American at Tulsa. You know, he runs that three three five, and it's it's not as as innovative as, as people think because a lot of teams are running that three three five now. But he does it in a way that's uh, – he, he just he, – he makes you think like you can run the ball, like it's a light box, and his backers come up and play really well. And really, 
the reason Sonny Dykes hired him uh, when he got the TCU job is because he had such fits. You talk about Sonny Dykes with his offensive mind. That's the one defensive coordinator and defensive scheme that always drove him nuts. And that's really why he hired one of the main reasons he hired them at TCU. But I agree with you, Kyle. If they could have um, game planned a little better, I think it would have been a better game. But as we talked about, they ran into a buzzsaw. I don't think anyone was beating Georgia that night. Yeah, yeah Georgia was like one of those teams where there's Georgia and everybody else. And Nick Saban, he may not like it, but Georgia, repeat, Nick, repeat, Georgia is the best college football program in America. <laughs> Say that a few times. And yeah. love, I don't they, have any- that, that look on Nick Saban's face when uh, David, yeah. David Pollock said that, that, that was priceless. Yeah. And it may be hard for him, you know, because like the cliche goes, every dog has his day. It's Kirby's day. Well, you know, and guys, to be to be humbled is a good thing, right? I mean, it's it's, it's good for college football. And listen, they're going to be back. You know, I did – I worked the Under Armour All-American practices down here at, at Disney World for a couple of days. And the one thing – you know, I know we're going to talk transfer portal in this discussion, uh. or, or should we say free agency of college football. So I know that's the dominating factor with schools. But at the end of the day, you still have to recruit – and he, once again, Nick Saban, I think he had 15 or 16 of the top players in the country. I think he had like six or seven at that Under Armour game that I got to see in person. So he's got some young talent going in there again. Now, you know, you got to develop them. But it always gives you a little head start when they have that five star next to their name. So I think they'll be okay. Yeah, no doubt. Bama will be back. They'll compete for national championships. They'll continue to be. Alabama, but it is good uh, the last couple of years to see somebody besides Alabama and Clemson win a national championship. Of course, we're going to get Georgia fatigue for long. Yeah. Um, bringing it closer to home, you're you're in Orlando, if I remember correctly. Uh, yeah. Did you get a chance? I don't I don't know your busy schedule. Uh, Holton played in the uh, in the uh, Hula Bowl in Orlando uh, this past weekend. Was MVP Holton Aylers, East Carolina. Did you get a chance to see any of that? I did. Well, not only did I watch the game, um, I went to practice. So I was at a couple practices. Holton looked great. Um, and, I, and the weather was really nice. And the one thing I will tell you, uh, I have a buddy, uh, Billy Connedy. He was a All-American. He played at Virginia Tech, played 10 years in the NFL. He's an agent now. So he had a he had an offensive lineman uh, from Rutgers in that game. So I, I, I met with him, and we were just talking and watching. Uh, there was a lot of scouts at the practice. And practice is the bigger deal for the scouts than the game. Now, it's 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 – it's a big deal and great for Holton that he got MVP of the game. But really, the nuts and bolts of what those scouts and the uh, personnel people are looking at is what kind of what's going on in practice and the drills and, and the multiple reps that they get. Because you know, in the game, you know, you, you just don't. You might only get a couple series here and there. And Holton made the best of it. But practice is the big deal. He looked great. He was throwing a lot of balls. And I, I mean, there was, oh boy, I, I, there was hundreds of scouts there. It, it, it was packed both days that I was there. So. He uh, he did himself really good this past week. Do you think he has a chance to get drafted? I mean, I I, I look at it and I, you know you, you never know with quarterbacks. Only so many quarterbacks get drafted. I have no doubt he'll sign a free agent contract. But do you think he has a chance to get drafted? I, well, he's definitely a draftable player. But you just hit on it. I mean, Dave and I were talking off air before we went on. For you guys jumped on, and to me, a player like Holton, um, you know, in the workouts, the measurables, you know, all the stuff that goes into it, that they put so much weight into it. The one thing with Holton is we know how tough he is. The kid plays hurt. He's a team player. He's got, you know, a huge heart. I mean, he's the type of guy you want in your quarterback room, right? Yeah. So 
even if he doesn't get drafted, sometimes that can be a blessing, Kyle, because at the end of the day, if you don't get drafted and then all of a sudden you have 10 or 15 organizations that are willing to give you a free agent contract, then you can sit there with your agent, with your, with your family and just kind of say, okay, I think I fit here better. I think I have a better chance of making a roster here. And sometimes that's a blessing in disguise. So we'll have to see, but he's definitely draftable. Um, you know, a lot depends on what else happens, who else gets drafted. And, but I mean, if you're a guy like Holt Naylor, you're sitting back looking at the San Francisco 49ers, right? A lot of people have them going to the Super Bowl. You got Brock Purdy leading them, right? He was Mr. Irrelevant, you know, the last player taken in the draft. So, um, you know, that gives you a lot of – and Brock Purdy had a great college career, but if you're a guy like a Holt Naylor, you look at that saying, I could do that too. Another thing I think will help Holton, he'll do really well with the interviews, the psychological part of it. He, he's such a great kid, great attitude. I think that'll help him a lot. No doubt about it. And they were, and we were talking about that because even during the week of uh, the Louisville practice, they, the scouts, they're doing interviews. They were meeting with the kids at the hotel rooms. They had rooms set up and they were doing interviews. So he'll, as you said, he'll be interviewed multiple times. Just that leadership quality you always love in a quarterback. And let's also be honest too. The NFL has been tweaked a little bit. Obviously Lamar Jackson, when he came in, but now the Josh Allen, uh, the way he, he runs the football, um, you know, uh, quarterback for the Giants, his name's escaping me. Uh, help me out. Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones, what he did the other night, right? Yeah. You don't have to be a great runner, but that you need to have that kind of running threat now a little bit. I think teams like that, and we know Holton brings that, brings that to, to the table. No Got doubt. Rennie, how's, how's it going, my friend? Hope all's Good, well. Matt. How you feeling, buddy? Doing all right? You know what? I uh, I, I got down on the field pregame. I gave it a go. You know, you sometimes Good. you got to give it a go. So. <laughs> well, you're getting old like me, and it's all those hits. You know, they catch up to you after a while. Oh, oh no doubt. No doubt. Um, but, Rennie, I wanted to ask you, um, since you were at practice for the Hula Bowl, just in particular looking at the skill players offensively, was there anybody there who just kind of jumped off the charts and you were just kind of like, wow, this, this is a surefire NFL player? It, no, it was hard. I wasn't really concentrating on anybody, Matt. I was just kind of walking around, generally looking, uh, watch some of the offensive linemen, the one-on-one drills. So no one really jumped out. I mean, court, there was actually, you know, it's fitting that Holton was the MVP because I think he stood out in the, out of all the quarterbacks. And there was a lot of good quarterbacks in that game. Um, but it was it was hard for me because I just I didn't really concentrate. But there was a lot of good skill players there uh, from all over the country. So it was a good turnout in talent, and I think that's why you had so many NFL teams there and so many scouts there. Uh, Rennie, with uh, that being said, with the Hula Bowl, we know they moved it from Honolulu. The stadium was torn down. We've talked about that a couple of times. Uh, do you see them renaming the Hula Bowl? Um, are we we growing up our age group, me, Matt. And yourself, um, we're not old, but we do remember the Hula Bowl. Yeah. And it was kind of strange when I read that, like, it's in Orlando. Do you think they'll rebrand that? Or what, what's your thought? No, I, you know, I think they'll, I think they'll keep it. So, I, you know, I played in that game. So, I played in the Hula Bowl in 96. I played in the 50th anniversary of it because it started in 1946. To your point, Dave, it's been around a long time. I think because it has such a brand name, I think they're probably just going to roll with it and keep it Hula Bowl. But I think they really like the home they found here in Orlando. You still get really good weather, good for the scouts. They have a good um, contract. Uh, I don't know how long it's signed for with UCF. So they use all UCF's facilities. Um, and they actually hire, you know, they use UCF's um, 
film crew and communications people and all the the ball boys and all the equipment guys and it's all set up really nice for them there um so yeah so i don't think they'll i, I think they're going to roll with it because people when you say hoopable people understand that that's a it's a very good all-star game just happens to be played i don't know four thousand miles away from where it originally was played but you know you know and correct me if i'm wrong i don't think covid did that i think the stadium being yeah. basically condemned did that and then yeah. you roll COVID on top of it. So yeah, I, I could see it. I could see it just staying hula ball and then staying here in Orlando. Yeah. Hawaii is eventually going to have to build a new stadium. They're, they're playing in a makeshift stadium. I, I don't know how long the NCAA will allow that. I, I don't even think it holds 15,000. Well, it, it doesn't Colin. I just talked to a, uh, uh, production, a producer at ESPN that was out there for, um, the Aloha bowl, which, uh, I think that's the Christmas Day game, which is in that stadium. And they're, they, need to, they need to add about 10,000 seats. And supposedly they're in the process of doing that right now. Um, but, yeah, it, it's, a, you know, it's a small stadium on their campus. So we'll see what happens. But supposedly they're in the process of adding those seats. Okay, that's, that's a good thing. Uh, speaking of bowls, uh, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll, I don't know what order we want to go in things here, but uh, I'll, I'll just go ahead and move on to – East Carolina's bowl game, the uh, the Birmingham Bowl against Coastal Carolina. Uh, great performance by the Pirates. The Coastal kind of in a bad situation with Jamie Chadwell going to Liberty. Interim head coach had had a couple. Their their, their secondary wasn't good anyway. And then they had a couple guys enter the portal. Quarterback gets knocked out in the second quarter. Uh, but everything went the Pirates' way. I, I think even had um, their quarterback's name is escaping me right now. I should know it. Uh, I think even had he stayed in the game, I think the results would have been the same. It would have just been a closer game. They had no answer for our offense. No, I agree. It's Grayson McCall. And I agree. Matter of fact, when I did the bowl preview show for the American and when we uh, talked about this game, I said, man, if you're Mike Houston and ECU, you couldn't get a better opponent at a better time than Coastal Carolina. And, you know, I'm a Coastal Carolina uh, fan. I, you know, I did a bunch of their games. Uh, full disclosure, one of my roommates and former teammates at UMass, Bill Durkin, was their offensive line coach. He's now moved on to Liberty with Jamie Chadwell. And so, and you kind of hit on it, Kyle, and you feel bad for the kids because, and this kind of goes with the transfer portal with what happens in coaches leaving. You know, when you leave like that before a bowl game and, and Jamie Chadwell Coastal, and he wasn't the only coach, it happened, it happened in reverse um, with Hugh Freeze leaving Liberty. You know, not only do you lose your head coach, but you ultimately know you're going to lose a bunch of your assistants, if not all of them. So, you know, their mind isn't really in the, in the game. It, it is, but you know, they're thinking about, okay, I, you know, my 12 year old kid's going to have to go to school. I got to move. There's just so much that goes on. And so, you know, really the odds are against you when you're a team like that. And then you get, and then you go into the Birmingham bowl and you face an ECU team, which was hungry after what happened to them last season and the way they fought through the end of this season. Um, so I just, I, you know, I, I, I picked ECU in that game, and they, they did exactly what they needed to do. And I'm with you. Even if Grayson McCall plays, the defense for Coastal Carolina had a lot of issues this year. So I think uh, – or for Coastal Carolina, had a lot of issues. So I think ECU still would have won the game. But, you know, they really uh, put a bow on their season with a great bowl win. And I know the fans, you guys love it. And, again, I'm a big Mike Houston fan. You guys know that I'm a big ECU fan. Um those kids deserved it, especially, again, what, what happened to them last year, not being able to play in that bowl game. So it was nice to see them finish it off this year. Yeah. Rainey, as you take a look at the Pirates, I know prior to the season, um, East Carolina was a team that you liked as a dark horse to contend. And 
we really had our chance to do that, um, unable to get it done in a close game at Cincinnati. Also uh, had losses to Tulane and Houston, who finished above us in the standings. But um, you, you had a 34-13 win over UCF, who played in the championship game. So uh, what, was your, what was your take on the Pirates as a whole? Uh, you had Holt Naylor's had the season that he had, what, 28 touchdowns, five interceptions, 3,700-plus yards. Uh, uh, back like Keaton Mitchell that ran for over 1,400 yards and then two 1,000-yard receivers, but the Pirates just unable to uh, get it done and got exploited on the defensive side through the air late in the season. Yeah, and I think – and you guys would know better than me. Now, that the UCF game that I called, um, they dominated – in that game. I mean, UCF did not know what hit him in that game. Um, and I think that probably was probably ECU's best game of the year, the way they just dominated that UCF team that night. Um, and, I, and I do think the defense got a little beat up uh, as the season wore on. And I think that was really uh, – and, and they just kind of were – it was almost like you could feel defensively they were just holding on for life at the end, right, just trying to make plays – let stuff happen in front of them, make tackles. Um, you know, you, you get hurt, you get banged up, you lose depth. And then, so I think they benefited really that, you know, the few weeks off before the bowl game to kind of rest up. Now, of course, you know, you're going to lose people to graduation. You're going to lose people to transfer portal. The one thing that I, I think that Mike Houston's done the last couple of years, you know, changing the culture, getting the winning ways, winning a bowl game is now you're going to get more national recognition. So although you're going to lose people on the transfer portal, you're going to pick people up in the transfer portal as well. So it's kind of this vicious cycle. It's going to help your recruiting. So I, I think they're in a really good place, good trajectory um, moving forward. In, in a new look American, by the way, guys, um, I think ECU is, is positioned really well with the teams that are coming in. Um, so it's going to be a fun conference to call next year. I'm actually looking forward to it. You mentioned, we, or Bubba mentioned Keith Mitchell and um... – Keaton's a back with a lot of speed, and you've had a chance to watch him play. Um, he, you know, he he uh, he elected to forego his senior season and enter the draft. I think he'll get drafted. Um, I know it's a deep running back core, but when you got that kind of speed, he has elite speed. I just don't see him not getting drafted by somebody. No doubt about it. He's going to get drafted. And the other thing that he does well, um, he catches the ball out of the backfield, and you need to do that in the NFL. Um you know, pass pro, he's going to have to stick his nose in there. But the good thing about the NFL is, though, he does specialize you as well, right? I mean, and he can, he can do some return stuff as well. So, But I'm with you, Kyle. He's going to get drafted because at the end of the day, you, you can't teach that explosion, that burst that you can that you have around the edge. Another thing, he was really – he's a patient runner. You know, I, I mentioned it on Twitter last night watching uh, the Cowboys-Bucks game. Tony Pollard, right, out of Memphis – played in the American. If you watch Tony Pollard run, very patient, excellent job setting his blocks up, and then you see his speed, right, and that explosion. Similar, you know, I think Keaton Mitchell did a really nice job this year of reading his blocks, having patience, and then using that burst, and that's going to bode well for him at the next level. But I do agree with you, Kyle. He's going to get drafted. While we're on running backs within the American, um, I'm sure we'll come back to the Pirates maybe in a little bit, but uh, Tulane, obviously, unbelievable story going from two and ten to twelve and two, and uh, one of the key cogs for them on um, the AAC Player of the Year on the offensive side, Ty J Spears. Um, where do you see him going? Yeah, another one. It's just a just a, a good quality back. Now he's not the biggest guy in the world, um, 
And I don't think he has the speed that Keaton has. But he has good speed, though. And he's just that – he's that every down back that really can, can do it all. Um, and just a f- fantastic year, which, again, uh, deserved to win player of the year with, with the uh, turnaround they had there. Um, he's another guy, I think, that can play at the next level. You know, it's just – it's fine. I'm a former running back. It, the running back position can be hard in the NFL because, obviously, we know guys. It's so pass-heavy, right? It's pass, 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 points, points, points. But you need that running game to try to balance a little bit. And it, the unfortunate thing for the running backs is the, it can be saturated with running backs, right? So, again, like kind of like what we talked about with Holders, with, with uh, Holton Nailers, is you kind of need to find that right organization. And that, that goes for the running back as well. So, But Tajay Spears is a guy that, that I think will get a chance as well. There's no doubt about it. Randy, I wanted to ask you, how happy were you watching that two-lane game? I mean, isn't it awesome seeing the so-called smaller schools go up against the USC's of the world with all their resources and, you know, for, for Tulane to be able to just torch their defense like that? I mean, how impressed were you with that game plan? Yeah, no, no doubt about it. And, you know, the thing is, um, Lincoln Riley knew how good Tulane was because if you remember a few years ago, um, when uh, Tulane got displaced from the hurricane and that really derailed their season. They were supposed to play Oklahoma at home uh, at Tulane. It was going to be the biggest program ever in the history in that stadium. And then they had to turn around and play them uh, in Norman in Oklahoma. And they, Tulane almost won that game. So I know Lincoln Riley knew how good they were, but you got to think to yourself, you're USC, you, you, you came so close to getting in the playoff. You got the Heisman Trophy winner. And I made this comment on the American Bowl special as well. I guarantee you there's players on that USC team that you say Tulane. They don't even know where Tulane is. You know, they, they didn't know Tulane. Was, oh, it's in New Orleans. And so, to your point, it's so nice to see a program like that, especially one. I mean, think about it, guys. Two wins the year before. You go from 2-10 and 10 to 12-2. and two. I mean, it's amazing. Happy for Willie Fritz is another guy I really like, much like Mike Houston. Just a grinder. That's worked his way up. That's that's just it's coached his tail off and uh, fought through. Now I thought I thought there was a chance they were going to lose him to Georgia Tech. There was some talk there. Um, he ends up staying, and I think that's good for Tulane because again, much like ECU, Tulane I think is positioned well in the future here for this new look American. But yeah, it was great seeing them win. And, and Dave and I were also talking off camera before too. Is you know, Mike Oresco will never say this because um, I think he just is a is a good commissioner. I think he just took the high road. You know, the three schools leave. We get it. It was it was a it's a win win for everybody. Listen, those three schools, uh, UCF, Cincy, and Houston, did a lot for the American, but the American did a lot for those schools too, right? So the, everyone kind of wins. They have to pay their exit fee. They leave. But how sweet it is sweet is it as the commissioner of the conference that. The three schools that leave, the one that wins the championship and wins the New Year's New Year Six Bowl game is staying behind. That, that's pretty nice if you're, you're Commissioner Mike Oresco. Yeah, it's a great look for the conference, and I think I think that can't be understated that that the champion is somebody who's staying in the league. I think that's huge. Also, you know, fun thought. You mentioned USC being close to making the playoffs. That could have easily in 2024 been the 12-5 matchup. Yeah. And uh, guess what? Tulane would have been moving on. Yeah, and so, and so, you know, and that's the thing. So we talked about the blowout in the championship game. And so you hear people say, oh, that's what's going to happen when we go to 12 teams. I, I, uh, I'm on the other end. I just think 
it'll work itself out because people are going to have to play and get through there and you're going to get beat up. And it's just, it's, we're going from a playoff, which is what we have a playoff to playoffs plural. And it's going to be, I think it's going to be a ton of fun. I think it's going to put meaning and we've had guys, we've had this discussion here. I think it's going to put more meaning on the regular season. The conference championships are really going to matter. And I think it's just going to be really fun at, at the end stretch of the season. And when we get to that, 12-team playoff, man, it's going to be great. I was watching um, some old interviews with Mike Leach, obviously. Huge loss to the college football community and just an interesting person. And uh, listen to him talk about the playoff. I, I loved it. He goes, a four-team playoff. He said, it's not a damn playoff. He said, if we had it right, well, that's what everybody else would be doing. He said, why doesn't the NFL do it? Why doesn't Major League Baseball do it? Why doesn't college basketball do it? He said, yeah. he said a four-team playoff is not a playoff. And I uh, just, just you, if anybody hasn't heard that speech, I believe it's when he was at Washington State. It was. Find that on yeah. YouTube. It's, it's wonderful. And Kyle, yeah, kind of along those lines, the one he had talking about the playoff, and it may be the one you're referencing, just another part of it, just where he was talking about, um, you know, let's form a committee and the, the people that were on that committee. It's he, the same he, one, yes. He said, he said, because this is America. He said, he said we love committees. Yeah. And he said half the people on the committee have nothing to do with college football. See, that's that's a great idea. Well, you guys know the committee's not going anywhere because you're the, that that you lose jobs. So listen, they found a way. You know, I thought when they were talking about changing up, I think everyone kind of thought, okay, conventional wisdom, they're going to go to eight, right? The 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 six highest ranked conference champions, and then two at large. But they were like, no, no, let's go to twelve. We need to, you know, we need to keep that committee to put those at larges in. So. <laughs> Yeah, they, they kept they kept their uh, position, so that's not going anywhere. I actually think it's fun. I think having the six highest ranked conference champions that's going to guarantee one so called group of five, which that term should be going away now. Yeah, and then and then you'll have six teams to discuss. So I think that makes it fun. Um, I think this is the right thing to do. I think twelve is the right number, uh, at least to start with. Maybe we'll end up going to sixteen eventually, but twelve is a good number to start with. I think it's fun. I do want to touch on Mike Leach more, Rennie. Sure. In your broadcasting career, did you get a chance to talk to Mike Leach at all? I, I did. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate that I got to call a Mississippi State game. And so, um, you know, in the in the business, everyone kind of knows um, when you talk to Coach Leach, whether it's in person, whether it's a Zoom, whether it's a conference call, you you know Mike Leach. Like, you know, and so you kind of know what you're getting. And so I knew um, when I talked to him, um, and, and, and I, I kind of, I'm, listen guys, I'm not a big X's and O's guys. Anyway, I know some analysts are, I like those production meetings, you know, I guess with the coordinators, you can get a little bit more X's and O's, but with the head coaches, like, like with Mike Houston and those guys, it's really more personable. You just really get to know the person. And I think they get to trust you as an analyst. Uh, and then they just give you, you know, a little more insights. And so, you know, Leach isn't a big X's and O's guys as it pertains to production meetings. So I will tell you in our production meeting, uh, so Bigfoot did come up um, in ours. <laughs> and But what he really wanted to talk about was, so when he found out I was from Florida, um, I, I mean, I forgot how it came up, but one of my former partners, and I think you guys have had him on the show, Mike Corey, who's play-by-play for ESPN, he came and visited me last year. So when people come and visit, I like to try to, bring them to do something that's kind of old Florida, you know, not, you know, Disney world and stuff. So I took them on an airboat ride, just literally 15 minutes from my house. And it takes you way back uh, in just old Florida. And you see gators and you see all kinds of stuff. Well, 
people have been releasing snakes, uh, pythons into yeah. the Everglades, into these areas, and they're they're growing up, and obviously they're not indigenous, so they end up going after gators, and there's these epic epic battles, and so he, that's what he wanted to talk about when he found out that I went on airboat for 15 minutes. He talked about you know pythons taking on gators and and uh, going at it, and how fascinating that was, and. You know, he talked about the biggest one that was ever that they caught in Florida, and it was amazing. So yeah, so the stories you hear about Mike Leach, and they're not stories because you've seen the interviews, um, they're true. And he's just, again, he was a fun guy, a great guy. And as you said, Kyle, um, you know, college football will miss him greatly, uh, but at least we have a lot of great memories uh, to fall on. He's that guy, you know, on my deathbed, I'll be talking about college football. I'm sure I'll have a Mike Leach story, and again. Just that conversation, that 10 or 15 minute conversation uh, I had with him um, that day, I'll never forget. Now, Rini, obviously you have Cincinnati, Houston, UCF moving on to the Big 12. Uh, I wanted to get your thoughts on some of these programs coming in, specifically as it pertains to the new head coaches um, that that they have hired. Um, First of all, FAU bringing in Tom Herman. I I love that move. Well, obviously, obviously Tom Herman knows the conference, right? He was at Houston. He understands the conference. Um, So, I mean, FAU and obviously moved on to Texas. So FAU is getting a big name, big brand guy that's kind of been, you know, in the shadows the last couple of years doing his thing, assistant coach, and now he's going to take over that program. And so I was just down there because I did the Boca Bowl, um, which was Liberty and Toledo. So, and I've been down there a bunch. My daughter goes to Lynn University, which is right next door to FAU. So I'm down there a bunch. Um, beautiful facilities, obviously South Florida weather. Um, so he's going to do really well. He put together a great staff. Um, so obviously recruiting's great. So a, another really good get um, for the conference to get FAU in. But yeah, Tom Herman, uh, he will hit the ground running. He knows exactly what to expect. He knows the teams that are in this conference. So I, I would expect FAU to uh, to do pretty well from the get go. And what about another one? Uh, obviously. UTSA is going to be another one. If I had my pick right now, I would say that um, Tulane, UTSA, and East Carolina, um, will, East Carolina will be fighting for the championship. I'm not going to boldly predict that we're going to win it, but I think we definitely have uh, – we're right there in the mix this coming season. I really believe that. UTSA is the best team coming in of the six that are coming in. There's no doubt about it. And people – you know, I talk to people all the time, and they're like, oh, you know, the schools, the Americans bring it in. I said – the reason why you're down on the schools the American is bringing in is because you've never seen them on TV. The majority of those schools, if not all of them, uh, were Conference USA who did not have it. And I think we've talked about this on this show as well. Did yeah. not have a TV contract. You never saw them. You're going to see a UTSA and how good they are and Coach Trainer, how great he's um, recruited in that San Antonio area. You're going to see them on TV every week now because the American has a great contract with ESPN, not Brandy. There, there's going to be some ESPN Plus games in there, but you know what I mean. You're going to see them at a national level each and every week, which you never did. UTSA will be more of a household name at the end of next year than they ever had, had been there. Quarterbacks coming back, they ponied up, they ponied up, I think, a half a million dollars in their collective to bring him back for a seventh year. So uh, U- UTSA is the one that, that I think uh, you need to watch them. They're a team I think that's good enough to step in next year and, and compete to win this conference. Yeah, UCSA is good. It was a good ad. I, I'm I'm mixed feelings on the ads by the American. 
Uh, I like the UTSA ad. I like the Florida Atlantic ad. And I like the UAB ad. Uh, the other three, I, I wish, you know, I, I would have chose differently. Probably maybe Marshall, App State, Southern Miss. But um, I'm not in charge. Uh, <laughs> you, you, you look at Charlotte. I don't, you know, what That's a weird hire. What a weird hire they made. Yeah, I don't, I, I can't, and I've not, and, and I mean, in full disclosure, I've never had a discussion with Mike Oresco about this. Um, Charlotte, you know, the only thing I can think of is because it's that kind of in that central hub, right, of Carolina, Charlotte, that nice city. And I think they think the potential is there. I mean, you guys would know more than I would. North Texas, I think, is kind of a sleeping giant as well because a lot of people are saying, where's North I Texas? I like their hire. It's essentially da- it's da- it's Dallas, right? It's the Metroplex area. So they're in a really good uh, good spot. So I think North Texas, yeah, you're talking about the coaching hire. I think they'll get things turned around. Rice is an interesting one, but, you know, you, you know, Houston's Houston – a lot of people don't even know where Rice is in Houston. So you keep a footprint in a huge city. And Rice didn't have a bad season this year. They went to a bowl game. So that's a program, I think. But I'm with you. You know, there's some there. But, I, but again, I think the fact that they're coming into the American is going to help out those three schools in particular. Um, of course, UAB, Trent Dilfer hire. I actually did Trent Dilfer's uh, in week zero. I did his high school uh, team. So I got to talk to Trent Dilfer a bunch this year. Uh, I think that's a fascinating hire uh, and a good hire. And that's another program you guys talked about. It. Brand new stadium, you know, football crazies there in Birmingham. So I think collectively with the six, I think they did a good job. But, you know, it remains to be seen. We'll see. Well, the thing I, that I thought was weird about North Texas is you mentioned the Dallas market. We already have the Dallas market. SMU is still in the yep. American. So I, I didn't understand that. You could always add it to SMU left. I, I don't I, I don't really get what they add to the conference because we have that market. I do like their hire. I think he's a you know he was a good coach at the FCS level, good offensive coordinator. Um, I think he'll do well there. I was surprised when they fired their coach after winning the division of Conference USA, but I do think they made a good hire. Yeah, and that's that's the world we live in, right? With uh, you know, the coach makes it to the championship game, they lost the UTSA. So here's the other uh, ironic thing too, and I was going to tweet this out that night. Um, that said, hey, you know, I was gonna, but I, I'm not a troll. I hate, I hate people that troll. Um, but I was just going to say, hey, the Conference USA Championship game tonight is a de facto American game because it was UTSA and North Texas. So, um, it, so to, to our point that we talked about before that, you know, Tulane wins the conference and wins the New York Six, you got to be thrilled if you're Mike Oresco in the American. You look at the two teams that play in the, the, the Conference USA Championship are coming into your conference next year. So, all in all, I'm with you, Kyle. You can question some things, but I think, you know, it might have been, you know, and obviously there's, it's over our pay grade, guys. There's a lot more that probably went into it um, than we know. But I think all in all, to add the six, I think it, I think they did a good job. I think he just took the biggest media markets he could get, to be honest with you. Yeah. And, and I don't think he is. Sure that played I, into it. Yeah. And I also don't think ESPN wanted them messing with the Sun Belt. And I think. Because of the contract with ESPN, we kind of listened to them. Well, I mean, you know, I don't know, if, I don't know if that happened, but but I mean, common common sense tells you, Sunbelt already has an ESPN contract. Uh, so does the American. So you know, you don't want to mess with that too much. I agree. And then Sunbelt did a nice job adding a few schools as well. So uh, uh, those two, both those conferences are in, in good positions going forward. No question. In fact, uh, I had one question for you. Uh, news came out, I believe it was yesterday, that Jim Harbaugh staying in Michigan 
And I, I was hoping on this show you would give us breaking news. It's a way too early prediction. I'm hoping Randy would say, you guys are going to be like App State. You're going to go up to the big house Labor Day of 2023, and you're going to shock the world and beat Jim Harbaugh's Michigan team. I was hoping you would say that, but I, I'm not going to hold my breath. Well, you never know. I mean, it's happened before, right? So, listen, in, in all seriousness, we the one thing – I think the one thing the portal's done uh, – it, it looks like there's a lot more parity, right? I mean, you can you, – if you, if, you, if you work the portal correctly, you can make huge gains, huge turnarounds with your program uh, in, in just one year. And I just think and, – and to the point about TV and just getting out there – I don't think as many kids are, are so much enamored with the, and Kyle mentioned it, the power five that's gone now. And really the, the, it's kind of ironic that Mike Oresco years ago coined the phrase power six and everyone laughed at him. But now as we get to this new era of the playoffs, it essentially is a power six because it's the top six conference champion. So that's, that's here's your P six. It's coming to fruition. So um, I think college football is in a great, great position moving forward. Yeah, Rennie, and to your point about the, the portal, you know, my thoughts on it, when you look at a school like ECU, for example, right, you're not going to get a ton of guys from the portal up front, but as rosters begin to fill up, right, and then you go into spring football, a lot of guys will see their situation, maybe they're a little lower on the depth chart, maybe they're not happy, and you're going to have another wave of guys going to the portal after spring ball. And I think that's our best chance to really get top-notch players because rosters fill up, players get squeezed, and now they need a place to go. You know, what are your thoughts on that? No, I, no, I agree. That's a great point, Matt. Um, and let me also say, like, I, you know, I'm kind of, I'm kind of mixed on, on this portal thing. Like, I get it, right? I understand you know, players leaving, but I think the intent of players leaving got all messed up with NIL, right? And and so now you have players, I mean, these contracts, now, and I know I'm jumping around here, but I'll, I'll get to your main point. NIL was established originally because guys like Tim Tebow, they sold 10 trillion Tebow 15 jerseys, right? And he doesn't get a dime or you have a bunch of players on video games and they didn't get a dime. And that was the intent of name, image, and likeness. Now you got guys getting astronomical contracts to go play, and now they're just jumping in the portal because it is free agency with no limits, no nothing, and then you you know there's no barriers, no guardrails, and they're just jumping around taking the money. And like, and I get it, I understand it, right? If you're a young man, you don't, especially if you don't come from money, and someone offers you a million dollars or two million dollars, you're probably going to go take that money and play there, but. It's just it's 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 crazy right now. But back to your point about ECU, I think the fact, and I talked about this earlier, that they've won the last couple of years and won a bowl game, it's a good destination, right? And, and to your point about spring ball, you're right. There will be another wave, and, and there's going to be another wave because players today are different. And I, I'm not getting on a, on, on a you know a soapbox that when you and I, when, when uh, Matt, when you played and I played. But it was different. We were different. You know, in spring ball, if you kind of got your ass kicked back then, you went to your coaches and said, okay, now I'm third in the depth chart going into camp. What do I need to do to, to win a spot in summer camp or become the backup or win special teams? And when you'll work on that, right? Now, to your point, 
kids dropping a depth chart in in uh, spring ball, and they're like, well, I'm going to go to transfer portal. I'll go somewhere else, right? You don't like me here. So it's just a – I feel for the coaches because it's just – it's a different dynamic. But with that said, there's going to be a lot of players out there. And I'll tell you the other place where there's a lot of players, and I talked to – a few coaches about this, and they damn all it, you're gonna you're gonna make my point that I was about to make, Granny. I can hear well, it coming. Well, FCS players, oh. so they're they're no. almost becoming like a breeding ground because the coaches love the FCS players because they have all to a man have told me we can go to the FCS and we can see a kid that's played two years at the FCS that maybe was all conference both those years in the Big South or the CAA or wherever, or maybe even an All American and they want to now come play Division One. we can take them. We know what we're getting, as opposed to maybe a kid that was disgruntled at a North Carolina or a Michigan that maybe didn't even play. We're still going off of what they did in high school. They really love these FCS, FCS kids, and you feel for the FCS programs. But if you, uh, Johnson, uh, the outside linebacker for UCF this year, he was a two-time All-American in Eastern Illinois. He led UCF in tackles this year, so – that's another thing to, to look for, getting kids from FCS. Mike Houston's done a great job working the transfer portal FCS. We got three or four uh, transfer portal commitments from the FCS, but that wasn't my point. So let me here's hear. the, here's, I'm glad you didn't steal my point. Here's the point that is something that I think people are forgetting about. And I, if I was East Carolina or, or a group of five program, I'd be recruiting the hell out of it. I think because of the transfer portal, and then you know you got your upper echelon high school players that are still going to be recruited five stars. What the hell happened to JUCO? What the hell happened to junior college? I think junior college players aren't going to the Power Five now. If I was East Carolina or any group of five school, I'd be recruiting the hell out of the JUCOs because I don't think they're being recruited like they used to be. Yeah, they're not, I and mean, they're they're a they're a casualty of the transfer portal. So what, to our point, what we're talking about, they're getting hammered. So I mean, you really, you know, you you got to look. And so I would, if I'm a coach and I have you know you know my recruiting staff, I think you have to lump. Uh, Juco in with the transfer portal. You have to really look at that. And I mean, look at the the most recent famous Juco player, Stetson Bennett. I mean, look what he did, right? I mean, the kid went back to Juco to get those reps to play and then goes on to have one of the best college careers, you know, really in Georgia history at the quarterback position. So, uh, yeah, I agree with you, Kyle. Transfer portal or uh, Juco is somewhere you need to look. And the other thing I've noticed through social media, if you're watching it now, guys, is everybody jumps in the portal and yes, the, the higher echelon high school players are always going to get signed, right? The 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 the, the players that, that are the higher echelon college players are always going to have a home. But look how many players go into the portal and they just, there's really nowhere to go. And I've been seeing on social media, some guys going Division two and they're just going HBCU and they're just looking for a scholarship at this point. So the the, the transfer portal market is saturated. So if you know what you're looking for and you can find the right people, you, you'll, you'll be doing a good job for, for your program. For example, Rini, that uh, Bubba and Matt and Kyle, we've talked about it, a hundred and approximately 160 quarterbacks alone in the transfer portal with no, I mean, that's one of the things that I think that is uh, frustrating is I have no issues with the transfer portal, but I don't think these guys, um, some of them are making good decisions based on, not getting playing time. We understand that piece of it, but then there's some guys we'll talk in the, uh, after you Rennie in our round table about transfer portal. And a lot of these guys are doing it crazy decision-making. We'll talk about that. That's a tease, but it's just frustrating to see for those of us that are older and wiser. 
um, your era and uh, Bubba and uh, Matt's era of football that I was talking mad about uh, in the green room to Rennie about the fact that you were the perfect example of a guy who worked his tail off and you played behind one of the best linebackers in the nineties of, uh, and ever at East Carolina, Morris Foreman. And he could have just said, you know, the heck with it. It's done. I'm over. I'm not sticking this out at East Carolina. I'm transferring. And guess what? He actually got, he worked hard and made him better and he became a better player. Sure. Great person. And it made him better for the hard work he had to put in to get more playing time. Well, back in yeah, those days, he'd have sit out a year or go FCS. I'm mad. Did you ever consider going FCS? No, no. You know, I, I, I'm sure Rennie can 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 appreciate this too. I mean, today's point. I mean, I think guys back in the '90s and it never occurred to us to have this idea, like to just go to you know try to switch schools. What did occur to us was to work like hell and keep working and keep working until you won your spot. That's what occurred to us. And I think it's a just a very different mindset. Um, and I think too often these young kids are seeking the easy way out. You know, and, and I think that they're going to, you know, a lot of them are going to kick themselves in the ass when they're 35, 40 years old and say, hey, you know what? Maybe I should stuck this out a little bit. And to your point, guys, so when I did the Under Armour All-American practices, right, those kids, those high school kids, the, you know, the four or five stars, the best of the best, they're, those kids aren't challenged in their state and their conference back in high school. They're the best of the best, right? And we coddle them. I mean, we're, we're to blame for it. our network coddles them, and we have all these recruiting services. And, and you know, and, and so they just they, they think they're, you know, their crap doesn't stink, and they're the best of the best. So when they get to the Under Armour practices, it's the first time for the majority of those kids that they've gone up against someone as good as them, if not better, right? So you, it's funny me covering their practice because you can kind of see the light bulb going off in their heads like, okay, these guys are good too. So I think inevitably what happens, Matt, is they get to the Alabamas or the Michigans and the Clemsons and, you know, you, you pick the school. They get there and all of a sudden they're like, holy crap, these kids are good too. And then they find themselves third and fourth string somewhere where they've never been in their life right? Because they're, they're the best of the best. They don't know what to do. They don't know how to fight and claw to move up the depth chart or go to their coach and say, hey, coach, what do I need to do to, you know, become the backup or, or to ultimately, you know, you know, get playing time? Or they just, they have no concept where, you know, I might have to redshirt or I might have to wait a couple of years before I get that playing time. And what do they do? They run the transfer portal, right? When they don't play right away. And so that's a big problem. That, that's a societal issue that, that about. I mean when we played Matt if you were in a position where you knew like holy cow I am buried on the depth chart I am not gonna play um you know maybe I'm a, a you know a linebacker and I'm just buried these guys are good in front of me but you were gonna fight like hell you're gonna go to your coach and say what can I do and they're gonna say well we can play in special teams and then you know what they might do they might say you know what you're probably right you're probably not gonna get in at the linebacker position but I think we can maybe there's like a strong safety type of hybrid position that maybe we could change you to. And you saw a lot of that. Now kids are just, they're just are like, no, well, then I'm going to transfer portal. I'm leaving. And, uh, you know, and to your point, again, it's not good for them. And it's not good for them down the road, as you said, when they're 30, 35, 40 years old. You know, I did an interview today where I talked about football being the, the best sport in the world. Obviously, I'm biased, but it's the best sport because it teaches you life. It teaches these kids life lessons. 
they're that, that they don't even know they're learning. And a lot of that life lesson is, you, you know, it's, it's, they're learning the wrong thing with the transfer portal, I believe, because guys in everyday life, right. You know, I'm 50 years old. I go to my, you know, if I have a job and, and I, yeah, I get mad at my coworkers, my boss gets mad at me. You just can't up and quit and say, I'm going to go over here. You could try and maybe you can, but that's just not how real world works. But these guys, they jump in the transfer portal like crazy. So yeah, it's, it's definitely a different world today. For anybody that's watching that don't know, Rennie Angolia, also a former police detective. And I've been on Rennie for a while, and he said he was going to do it. Did you ever do your so cross sports podcast? I did start the podcast, but it just got it got really entangled with sports and police stuff. So we're actually in the process of kind of re- uh rejuvenating reinvigorating it kind of resetting it so we went on a little hiatus we got some good traction but we just have to get more focused so i did take your advice and uh and so it is in the works to be redone but we did start it so i i I took i I took your advice i think it's a great idea i I love you know true crime broadcasts are fantastic period but you know if you could do one and it doesn't have to be all sports related but there i listen to true crime podcasts and there's so many where high school athletes, you know, college athletes, et cetera, you know, even just college students, you, you know, the, 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 the murders out in Moscow, Idaho, yeah. the university of Idaho, it would be a great case to cover, not sports related, but college related. No, no, no doubt about it. It's some fascinating stuff for sure. Now, Rini, along these lines, uh, a couple of quarterback specific situations since Dave referenced the quarterback position, uh, since he brought up the portal and how there are, 160 quarterbacks or thereabouts currently in the portal, one that has found a new home. And uh, this wasn't surprising, but uh, Sam Hartman, a record-setting career at Wake Forest. And I don't know what he's getting at Notre Dame. I really haven't looked into it. I don't know if it's out there. Um, I'm sure it's a a considerable amount. Um, But at the same time, you know, with – with his ties at, at Wake Forest, if I was a Wake Forest fan or, you know, if I was Dave Clawson, knowing that uh, he was moving on, unless it was to the NFL, uh, I would not have liked him playing in that bowl game. And maybe that's just me. Maybe that's me uh, being stuck in my ways. But uh, what, what's your thoughts on that? I don't like a guy that's moving on to another school um, playing for my team, I think it's time to uh, move on to the next quarterback or running back, whatever the case may be. Yeah, so it's a great question, and it's a question that came up in my bowl games this year. And so I did, uh, like I said, I did Boca Bowl, um, I did the Cheez-It Bowl, and I did the uh, Quick Lane Bowl. And every one of those programs, right, every one of those programs had players that were in the transfer portal. And so when you ask the coaches, you know, what were you going to do? Some of those, and I'll, I'll use Liberty as an example because we really got into it. And, of course, he was an interim coach, too, who, who since left and, and went to Auburn. I think everyone knew he was going to leave. But he basically said, if they, I don't know the exact number, but it was 50-50. So if they had 10 kids in the, in the portal, he was allowing five to play and five weren't going to play. And when we asked, like, well, why? What's the rationale? He said, because the five that I'm going to let play – did everything right that we asked them to do at this program. They never missed meetings. They weren't late. They were good kids. They got good grades. It just didn't work out where they played to the, 
the extent that they wanted to play in our program. But I was, but he said, I'm not going to deprive them the opportunity to go enjoy a bowl game with their teammates because they did everything right. Then there were some other kids, he said, that didn't do things right, that were late to meetings, that just were kind of like a cancer and not doing things right. And he's like, you're done. You're in the portal. You're gone. So when you sit back and think about it, you're like, okay, that makes sense. So I'm assuming most of the coaches out there kind of had that same philosophy as if if a kid went into a portal, were they still going to let him go to a bowl game and play or not? So I, I, I hopefully that probably answers your question. I don't know, you know, the Hartman situation. I will say this. It just, and I didn't see a lot of Wake Forest this year. It seemed like Hartman was off a little bit this year. And I'm, I can imagine as a player, his parents, sometimes a player of that caliber, a reset does you good in a new program. And I'm sure that had something to do with it. And again, you know, the rich get richer because if you're an elite player in your position, especially the quarterback position, you're going to find a big time home. And, and he did. And to your point, though, too, Bob, I'm sure there was some NIL involved with it um, for sure. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it's it's an interesting time we we live in with players uh, leaving and going to other other programs. Did you hear Shane Beamer's comments? Uh, I've Certainly not a South Carolina fan, but I do like a lot of the things that Shane Beamer has to say and the way he seemingly runs his program uh, from the outside looking in uh, from our perspective. But um, I know Shane Beamer, there were some young men for the Gamecocks that had entered the portal and he told them and they asked if they could play. And he said, no, he said, I'll he said, I'll do what I can to help you. He said, but I. Uh, in my position, I have to do what's in the best interest of the University of South Carolina, and in my opinion, that's you not playing. Yeah, and so and that's a, and that's a very valid under, point, and you would understand that. And the other thing it does too is if you know, and, and listen, and I, I do agree to the point where if you don't want to be here, you don't want to be here, then just move on, and I'll do what I can to help you. I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. But you. It, for roster management, too, you also need to know what you're working with, right? Uh, you don't want a wishy-washy player, uh, student-athlete. If they're going to leave, leave. So you need to know your roster spot, your roster management, what you have to fill, what you need to get. So I, I, I have no problems with Shane Beamer doing and saying that. I, I, I agree with that. And since Shane Beamer came up on the show, I never miss a chance to shoot my own horn. When we fired Scotty Montgomery back in 2019, my three head coaching candidates were Mike Houston, Shane Beamer, and Chris Creighton. Yep. Well, you got one of them. It took, you know, took a little bit, but you got one of them. But yeah, Shane Beamer, and I just love the energy that, that he coaches with. And here's the other thing, too, guys, which is huge for head coaching today, too, which is huge into what we're talking about. This is the first time in the history of coaching you have to continue recruiting your players every single year that are still on your team. Otherwise, you end up losing them. So, and, and by recruiting the player, really all that mean, means is, do you have a good relationship with your players, right? And you don't have to be, you know, we hear players coach like, a, you know, I, I, I was going to say Deion Sanders. I, I wouldn't say Deion Sanders is a players coach because he gets after his guys pretty good because he's old school. Um, he might be flashy and all that stuff, but he's got that old school mentality. Um, it doesn't mean you have to be a quote unquote players coach, but you just have to have relationships with your players and understand and be genuine with them. And I think if you do that, you're, you're going to keep the majority of your players. Yes. Ray, do you feel that this is going to change the way coaches have to approach their business? Like, you know, maybe maybe you can't push a kid to his limits 
um, out of fear that, you know what, if I'm too tough as a coach on these kids, they're just going to hit the portal. That's something that I worry about a little bit just for the future of the game. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And I, and I almost think that society has changed the way coaches coach, Matt, from when you and I played. And, and there's a lot of coaches from – I know a bunch of them that are still going, and they all, they all have to evolve. I mean, there's no more – shaking a guy's face mask or, or, or whacking him on the helmet. I mean, you just right, wrong, or indifferent, whether you agree with it or not, you just can't do that anymore. But you still want to have that old school edge, those coaches that we know and play for. But I do agree with you because at, at a moment's notice, a player is just going to up and leave. And so, yeah, you have – and so that gets back to my point of knowing your players and understanding your players because um, you end up treating everybody – differently right so and that's just the way the world is i mean everyone's different um you, you i had a supervisor in my in my law enforcement career that said um i will i treat everyone fairly but i don't treat everyone the same which is right because everyone's different every what what you know sets me off not going to set you off or kyle off and you need to understand it especially when you're dealing with 18 to 22 year old kids so you know, but, you know, my thing is, and maybe I'm just crazy saying it, you know, if I, if I, if I was the czar of college football, if I ran college football, you know, what I would try to do to curtail this is, and like, I get it. Like the, the, the issue always was guys, coaches leave in a moment's notice. They leave these kids high and dry and they go to school to school to school for big time money. And I, and I get that. And the kids used to get screwed. So that was like, well, now the kids can do it, right? The kids can go and leave. My thing is, what I would do to try to control it is, I would say, if you transfer at, at the same level, go back to the rule. If you transfer, you're going to sit out a year, okay? Um, if you transfer down or transfer up, then you don't have to sit out. But if you transfer like the old days, uh, parallel, you will sit out a year. Unless your coach leaves the program for whatever yep. reason, fired, leaves for another job. Then I would say you have three months, four months, a six-month window. If your coach leaves, you can now transfer anywhere in the nation, no penalty whatsoever, and you can play right away. I yeah. think that would help things out tremendously and slow down the, the, the people that are transferring for the NIL money and just its free agency here and there. Th that's what I would do. Amen. Some people totally disagreed with me, but I, I think that would be fair. And, you know, everyone, you want to hear about equity and equitable i think that's fair and equitable for everyone and if you want to even say if, if your offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator leaves whatever your position coach however you want to do it but let's have some type of you know restraint there where it's just not willy-nilly where it's crazy because to our point in this greater conversation is a lot of these kids aren't doing themselves any favors transferring they're actually hurting themselves so yeah yeah, no, I agree with you 100%, Randy. I thought the same thing. Unless your coach leaves, you should have to sit out a year. I've, I've had the same exact thought and the same exact sentiment, and I, I agree with you 100%. I think that's the way it should be done. I do think the NCAA um, making the rule that you can only transfer once unless there's extenuating circumstances was a good thing. And But, you know, as we wrap this up, uh, one thing that, that hasn't been talked about with the NIL end is the fans. And it gets to be a point Maybe not with you know your 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 rich donors at Alabama and Georgia, but there is only a handful of millionaires in East Carolina, and it gets to be a point where we're we're asked to donate to the Pirate Club, and then we're asked to donate to an NIL collective, which is separate from booster clubs. 
at some point in time, if you're a power five school, you can build all your damn facilities with television contract money. You can't do that at the group of five. It gets to be a point, and it's happening right now at East Carolina, where we have to decide, are we going to build an indoor practice facility? Or are we going to concentrate our money on the NIL collective? And while the Pirate Club and the NIL collective are separate, they're really not because it's the same people. Yeah, it's great point. At the end of the day, you have to take, you know, me looking at it, my opinion, my humble opinion, is if you're going to put money in as donors, you need to take care of the overall program first and foremost. If you need an indoor facility, you need to put the indoor facility. You need to, you know, redo the locker room or some stadium renovations. That comes first. I'm sorry. It has to. Because to your point, those, the American, Sunbelt, um, you know, Mountain West, um, those conferences that are never going to compete with the money, the money of the SEC and the Big Ten, just to name two. Um, you're just not. You're just not. I mean, look at the kid. So the, the quarterback, uh, the Rashida kid that signed with Florida that's now trying to get out, that apparently they told him he was going to get a $13 million deal, which is just, it's mind-boggling. He was at, he was at Under Armour. Um, so I watched him. <laughs> Seemed like a good quarterback, very good quarterback. Did he seem like a $13 million quarterback? No. But what do I know? I mean, holy cow. Um, so, Jaden Rashada. So, it's just it's just nuts um, yep. that, 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 that there's that kind of money out there. But to your point, Kyle, there is that kind of money out there with the Texas A&Ms and, and these the Georgias and the Florida States and the Floridas. It, it's crazy. So, we'll see what happens there. But it's just – I don't – it's – Listen, I'm, I'm a capitalist. I get it making money, okay? I get it. I already said that I believe NIL is off course from what it was designed to do. Correct. But it is what it is. It's the Wild West. So I don't blame the kid, right? If you, if you, you know, if you, if you got a kid in high school and a program's offering you $10 million to go play for him, you're like, okay, here I come. Like, so I don't blame the kid. But now the kid doesn't get the money. He's leaving. It's just it's all the wrong reasons uh, with what hap- with what's happening right now, and and to the point of our conversation, the NCAA can't get out of their own way. They have no control over this whatsoever. So unless the powers to be, the CFP, you know, the money brokers, the higher ups in this thing, if they want to rein it in, and really the co- the presidents, right, the school presidents, if they want to rein it in. Um, then they'll probably put like a commissioner of college football, get someone very knowledgeable, give him an office, give him a team and just try to, you know, get things going on a, on a more of a, you know, a fair ground. But also they probably know where we are right now. It ain't never going to be fair because it's to your point, ECU is never going to have the money of the schools in the ACC and then the you know SEC and the Big Ten, it's just not going to happen because you just don't have the donors, you don't have the deep pockets. So you know, unless you really put some guardrails around it with like a commissioner of college football and start really nitpicking, it's going to be the wild wild west for a while. Who would you name as a commissioner of college football? That's, if you a, had to... that's a, I don't know. That's a great question. Um, I'd have to think about it. But there's some really good minds out there. Um, there, there, there is some good people that have been involved in football. You don't necessarily have to be a head coach or a commissioner, but there's some people out there. I would have to think about it, but there's definitely people Bubba out there. Bubba Rosenbaum. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Anybody broadcasting? <laughs> uh, broadcasting. Who would, you know, I mean, there's some sensible people out there. I'm trying to think who, uh, it's a tough one. He's not uh, a ESPN guy, but I love Tim Brando. 
Yeah, listen, I, I you know I follow Tim on on Twitter. He follows me, and I, I've never met him. I don't know him, but he's been around a long time. He's seen it all, and and if you listen to Tim on social media, he's sensible, right? Yep. He's seeing he's an old school guy where you can get in a conversation with him, and at the end of the day, you can be uh, you can agree to disagree, but still be civil with each other, which we've seemed to, to have lost in this country. Um, you know, hopefully we can get back to where we can disagree on stuff, but we still like each other and we just have different beliefs on it. But yeah, Brando, Brando would be an interesting uh, one. I think though, ultimately, if it did go that way, it would end up being a former commissioner or someone that was really in tune with what goes on with the TV deals and, and the behind the scenes stuff. Um, so there's, there's people out there, but who knows if, if it will ever happen. So, yeah. No doubt. Rainy, thank you so much as always, my friend. And by the way, can you tell us before we let you go, tell us the name of the podcast and when things get ramped back up and the rebranding, if you will, yeah. uh, you let us know so we can put it on social media. Yep. So it's called professional rookies. And I, and so if you go on any of uh, your podcasts, uh, wherever you get your podcast, it's there now we did about, uh, and so Kyle, you may want to go check it out. We did probably, I will. 30, 30 episodes. Oh, wow. You um, did that many. Yeah, we did about 30. And um, you'll see they're all labeled. There was a, there was a there was some straight law enforcement ones, kind of true crime ish, if okay. you will. Um, we did some we you know, we did the uh, the uh, Aaron Hernandez one. I brought Dave Wetzel on Dan Wetzel on who obviously did the documentary about it. And uh, he's a UMass alum. I had Wetzel on. So that that's an interesting one. So we did do some. So we got our feet wet. We're just trying to kind of narrow it down. And then there's some, there's some production companies that, that we're, we're thinking about maybe taking over the production part of it too. So something else that I'm, that I'm looking at as well. But it's called Professional Rookies. If you go to your podcast, any, any wherever you get your podcast, it's still up there. All right, All right. I'll check it out. That sounds right, cool. So I uh, appreciate it very much. And thanks for coming on tonight. Love to have you back on again soon, my friend. Sounds good. Happy New Year's, everybody. Same to you, bro. Thanks, right. Rennie. Take care, All right, man. guys. See you. Later. All right, Bye-bye. Rennie Angolia there. Appreciate him. Of course, ESPN college football analysts. And, uh, guys, there is uh, – we're trying to – I know it's 10, 10 Eastern. Uh, we're trying to have uh, – we're trying to go to bed at some point, obviously. Um, but what a great uh, roundtable we're going to have because there's so much to talk about, so little time. Um, I know um, we want to talk about, first off, uh, breaking news today, guys, with a Liberty Series home and home. I want to get your thoughts on that. We're going to talk uh, to tease it for fans right now. We're going to talk the transfer portal. Uh, Bubba's done a nice job behind the scenes on um, putting stuff together. But we want to talk about first Liberty Series. We're going to go there, uh, obviously, first uh, to Lynchburg, September 21st to 24. And then uh, they will return the favor. The Flames will September 22nd, 2029. Um, I'm a huge fan of this is a team. I've won it on the schedule. Uh, unfairly, I think there's a lot of people that in our fan base that are clueless about college football and that don't like the series. Um, they need to do their homework and their research before they pass judgment and say, oh, my gosh, Liberty. Um, I think it's a great uh, series, and it's a quick drive to Lynchburg and back, especially those of us in eastern North Carolina and in western North Carolina like Bubba. Yeah, no, it's – a lot of people were confused, um, and the graphics still on the screen, but a lot of people were confused uh, that in 2024, BYU was coming here and we're replacing it with a road game. We were going to have seven home games in 24. So this puts us at six, which is fine. Six home games, six road games. 
So we're really not losing anything there. That that added home game only matters if you sell tickets to it. And BYU would have sold tickets. Liberty would have probably sold tickets. But we're going we're, we're going there first. They're coming here in 29. We honestly need games 29, 30, 31 going forward. All we have is Old Dominion. Now we have Old Dominion and Liberty. Um, so we um, I'm okay with the series. I, I'm not like going crazy about it. But I have no problem playing a home and home with Liberty. They're a good program. They're joining Conference USA. Uh, Jamie Chadwell is going to be their new head coach there. I think they'll probably win Conference USA about every year in the new look Conference USA. So um, I don't have a problem with the series. I think power fans that do, I don't know, maybe that they so much have a problem with Liberty as that John Gilbert has not signed a power five home and home. And I think that may be the bigger problem. I, I think, yeah. you know, he needs to do that at some point and, and easier said than done, obviously. But even if it's a two-for-one kind of deal, um, I think people will be fine with that. If you announce a two-for-one deal with, I don't know, uh, Syracuse, I think people would be okay with that at this point. Um, but uh, no problem doing a home-and-home home with Liberty. I'm, I'm glad we didn't do a long-term contract, but uh, we'll see how we like it. We'll test the waters, and then you know maybe we'll, we'll do a long-term contract with them. Yeah, what about you, Matt? I completely agree with what Kyle just said. I, I, I do think that that has been the issue of not being able to get one of those marquee matchups, if you will. And uh, I, I am certainly not against doing it like a two for one, you know, with, with a, you know, an opponent like a, just to throw one out there, you know, like a South Carolina again. Exactly. I was uh, thinking that, Matt. Yeah. Always enjoyed that, that series. And, I think you that's know, actually I, a five for one. We go there again. We have another game with them still down there. Yeah, that one was a little bit, well, not a little bit, a lot skewed in their favor. So hopefully it would be a little more equitable um, in the future. But I definitely like having them just as an example. But <clears throat> there's there's going to be opportunities out there. In terms of Liberty, certainly have no problem with it. It's close proximity. Um, I think it's one that the fans will get relatively excited about and um it it's par for the course in this day and age i mean those are the types of opponents we're going to get more often than not yeah my thing is i have no problems with liberty um i'm just i'm totally opposed to fcs play um so for me i would much rather replace the the uh having fcs opponents and put uh, a regional robbery like uh, liberty a regional opponent i think one better. fcs opponent a year is fine and it's, it's not going to change I, well, my my feeling is because it's easy to schedule FCS. It has nothing to do with, um, in, in case in point, you you have up there Norfolk State. No offense to Norfolk State. It's easy for us to schedule Norfolk State than it is um, NC State, North Carolina. Um, obviously, we lost the – we're not going to get Virginia Tech back anytime soon, especially the AD is still there. Um, but there's obvious games that make sense for – wait for it – the, for the catch register to ring, knowing that a whole bunch of Virginia Tech fans are going to come down to Greenville, vice versa, um, North Carolina, North Carolina State. Um, I don't think that Duke will play us because they're trying to like go to a bowl game every single year, and they're worried that we would beat them. Um, you have uh, we do have Wake Forest on the schedule, but there's a lot of schools like that. Why why not? I mean, uh, for example, Tennessee. Tennessee is another one that I don't understand why we don't, don't have. We're not going to get Tennessee to come to Greenville. No, I understand that, but maybe we could play them um, in Charlotte one year. Um, no, we're not going to. That's not going to happen. You what can you, hang that up. Well, I'm just saying, anything so be better of. than 
Go ahead. To, to your point, Dave, what is Duke so afraid of? I mean, what are they so afraid of? I don't know. It was a rumor that they that they didn't want to. That, you know, or initially we were told we didn't want to go to the military bowl. I saw somebody post today that Duke didn't want to play us in the military bowl. I don't know if that's true or not. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, Gutless is is the word that comes to mind. You know, if there's any Duke people out there listening to this, it, it really, honestly, I mean, what do you have to lose? You're the one with all the resources. You're the one in the ACC, and you know you can't you can't come to Greenville or play East Carolina. There's something wrong with that mindset. Well, Carolina well, Matt, uh, the same way. In North Carolina too. Back in and back in, ni- back in 1994, Matt, when you were redshirt freshman, you know we lost 13 to 10 in Durham, but um, you'll recall that night. Um, I was there. It, that that Duke team was very good, the best team they had had in a long time. But like uh, what what. It was, the crowd was essentially, at, at best, half and half, if not more pirates. There, there were probably 15,000-plus pirate fans there at Wallace Wade that night. But um, kind of getting back to the, the schedule on the whole, uh, for, our, for our listeners that aren't um, able to you know, see the graphic on the screen, um, now the 2024 non-conference schedule, as Kyle mentioned, um, it will have two home games and two away games. You'll have August – 31st, the season opener against Norfolk State. Um, September 7th, we travel to Norfolk to play the Monarchs of Old Dominion. Um, 9-14, um, we'll have App State coming to Dowdy Ficklin. And then on uh, September 21st of 2024, we will travel to Williams Stadium there in Lynchburg to take on the Liberty Flames. And um, as Dave mentioned earlier, they return the trip to Greenville in 2029, September 22nd of 2029. And um, a little more information about this series, um, supposedly, and we'll give credit to Hoist the Colors and Stephen and I go with this. Justin Butts also chimed in with it via Facebook saying that uh, they'll, they being the Flames, will receive 200000 when they come to Dowdy Ficklin and we'll receive three hundred and fifty when we go there in 24. Well, that's good. They're paying us more to come there because we're a bigger name. Um, I... Uh... I, I was looking at that 24 schedule earlier, and uh, boy, if we have a good football team, that sets up nice to really make yep. a run. Uh, you, you got you got a power five opponent, which could hurt us, um, but you, you do have App State, which will which will most likely have a good team. Old Dominion, who knows what they'll be. Liberty should be good, and then you got conference play. But uh, it's it's an interesting non-conference schedule that year. Some people are going to be down on it because no power five opponent, but. I do like that we have Appalachian coming to Greenville. Yeah, well, I, I'm glad that we got that done. Uh, again, don't understand. We don't have Tennessee. We don't have Southern Miss. Um, there's teams that we could uh, have up there that we should have up there. Um, yeah, I hope not with Southern Miss is something we could probably do. I, it just doesn't make any geographical sense. That's probably why it hasn't been done. But I do think both fan bases would like it. Yeah, and again, like you talked about, my feeling is exactly what you were talking about, Liberty. I don't think that – Maybe we should do a long-term deal with Southern Miss, but a home-and-home home at least uh, would would uh, get a lot of attention and uh, two fan bases that love the series. It's not like it's forced down their throats. So let's move on to the uh, trying to keep up with time here uh, with the transfer portal. Bubba, I know you've worked behind the scenes on that. And, man, Matt Semenza is like uh, <laughs> our Adam Sheffer when it comes – uh, Chef, when it comes to the transfer, Adam, uh, Adam Matt actually lives <laughs> in the transfer portal. Yeah, he lives in the portal. He has a love the portal. There. Yeah, 
and he's not afraid to live in the portal like some players. Do you ever do you ever do you ever get afraid that you're gonna get sucked out of the portal and just wind up somewhere you don't want to be? Like I don't know, UMass. No, no offense to Rennie. <laughs> Bad example for tonight with Rennie. Yeah, uh, after I said it. Yes, it's yeah. a. Oh, uh, well. The nice like Rennie. It's like a black hole in the universe that just sucks people in. Unfortunately, yeah. it sucks players in. And Bubba, you, uh, I know you've worked hard on uh, kind of organizing players that we have uh, we've lost. Um, and uh, let's talk the first one because we had people, the man on the street. Uh, people asking about Malik Fleming. Um, and I will tell you this real quick, uh, what we've heard behind the scenes, Malik Fleming, uh, they had a um, the banquet on Saturday night. I don't normally call guys out that are players. Uh, I'm not bitter about him leaving. If he doesn't want to be a pirate, that's fine. But essentially, he didn't get defensive player of the year is what we were told. I'll be fair to him, what we were told. And so he enters, he said, I'm entering the portal. When it's a guy that's going to get a lot of playing time, it's a guy that's already had a lot of playing time. I, I just think that that is a, a, the epitome of what our mindset of our athletes are today is that we're supposed to give him the defensive player of the year or else I'm going to leave you um, disappointed guys by that. I, I, if that's true, I'll be fair to him. If that is true, um, then very sad. But uh, hey, again, I want people that want to be here. Um, so we've got plenty of. Um, guys that want to be here and we'll move on from that. I just want to get your thoughts guys on, on Malik Fleming starting out. If it's true, then it's, it's, it's pathetic. I, uh, I don't know if it's true or not, but that's the rumors. Yeah. Uh, if it's true, it's pathetic. I, um, I don't understand it. Uh, Malik was, you know, well thought of great player. Um, I, I, I hope it's not true. Um, you know, I don't want to lose him regardless because he's good. He's a good, he's a good football player. New secondary coach coming in. Who knows? Maybe he didn't like the new secondary coach and the new cornerbacks coach. Um, who knows? Who knows what the truth is? Um, but if it's true, it's because he didn't get defensive player of the year, then he's a big baby. And, um, you know, uh, he's probably not a good locker. He's probably a locker room lawyer. Um, I, I think there's a couple locker room lawyers on this team. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll leave their names out of this because I don't know if it to be factual, but they, they seem to come off that way. And uh, so – uh, I hope it's not true. I hope Malik just, you know, maybe it's, I hate to say it, but I hope maybe he's seeking that NIL money. Um, I could respect that more than leaving because he didn't get defensive player of the year. Amen. How about God. the fact, uh, just to pick, kind of piggyback on that, and I couldn't agree with you guys more. Um, now, you know, my understanding is that the, the this portal window closes in like the two 18th. days, correct? How about the fact, and I don't know if anybody's mentioned this, but how about, you know, and I will call Malik Fleming out, for, for a lack of loyalty to East Carolina. You know, you wait a few days before the end of the portal and you put the program in that situation where now we have to go out and scramble to try to bring in a starting-level corner. Um, I do have a problem with that. I really do. Um, it just really shows a lack of respect, in my opinion. And he could have done this a few weeks ago. And um, doesn't so- care much about his teammates. Absolutely not, and you know, and, and and if that is true, if that if that rumor about the defensive player of the year, if they, if there's if that's true, which sounds like there's a lot of validity to that, it, it is absolutely pathetic. I agree. So, um, and this, this is a guy who started twenty three of twenty four football games over the last two years, and this year was the second team 
uh, all AAC performer, um, was tied for the team lead with three interceptions. Uh, that was shared with Jira Wilson, who obviously also entered the portal and uh, wound up at UCF. Uh, and and so Richard Allsbrook, one of our loyal viewers and listeners, I mean, had a request. He said, can, can you guys compile a list? So very quickly, I'm going to run through that and some of the specifics about who entered the portal, where they wound up, and then also who we've acquired um, at East Carolina from the transfer portal. Um, obviously, you had Avery Jones, uh, center. Um, it looked like he was headed to Illinois, wound up at Auburn. You had Demel Hickman, cornerback, and wind up at Georgia Southern. Um, Malik Fleming, to be determined. Jaira Wilson, as I just mentioned, safety, UCF. Quarterback, Ryan Stubblefield, not surprising there. Um, but he's at FCS. Incarnate Word, who was uh, a semifinalist in the FCS ranks this year there in the FCS playoffs. Um, Taji Hudson, a wide receiver, to be determined. Defensive lineman, Manny Hickman, to be determined. Defensive end, Rick DeBrew, to be determined. Jawan Powell, who who walked out and then uh, attempted to uh, apologize and earn his way back from what we heard but um, unable to patch up that situation. The coaching staff trying to uh, help him land on his feet somewhere, but he will not be back. He's in the portal. Defensive end, Elijah Robinson. I think he uh, won the, the portal jackpot. He is at Hawaii. Um, and then you have Demetrius Mooney, uh, not surprisingly, uh, safety, uh, originally a running back. He is in the portal. Wish him well. Uh, he did some nice things on special teams. Uh, you also have Sean Dorso, safety. Uh, he is at Northern Arizona in the FCS ranks. And lastly, wide receiver Andre Pagese, to be determined. So six out of the 13 who have entered the portal have found a new home. Nine out of the 13 portal entries are on the defensive side, obviously leaving four on the offensive side. Now, what have the Pirates acquired from the portal? Uh, they've acquired eight new pieces, six on the defensive side, as you might guess, with nine of those 13, as I mentioned, um, De facto, um, de facto uh, or defactions, I should say, uh, coming on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, you have running back Gerald Green, though, uh, coming in from Georgia Southern. He's a guy that's run for 1,400 yards. Uh, you have uh, safety Omar Rogers from Elon. Um, he was an all-conference performer. You also have linebackers B.J. Davis and Tyquan King coming from South Carolina State and North Carolina A&T, respectively, also all-conference performers at the FCS level. Uh, then you have Ryan King, who didn't uh, – it's kind of on the surface appears to be sort of like a Jalen Johnson who didn't have a lot of catches, had five catches over the last two or three years at Georgia Tech. But uh, he will have two or three seasons. I believe it's three coming in from uh, the Yellow Jackets. Um, then you have three defensive players coming in from the University of North Carolina, linebacker Ra-Ra Dilworth, um, who is a freakish athlete from everything I've been told. Uh, it was kind of a situation where he was, in the North Carolina coach's opinion, undersized for what they wanted him to do. Uh, we'll see how it pans out. Uh, I could see him being a G Gerard Stringer type at East Carolina. Um and a guy that's kind of a tweener, but uh, really was a, he was the defensive player of the year and won that award at the banquet just in the last day or two. And then you had D. Nash, a safety coming in from North Carolina, also an Eastern North Carolina native, Tymere Brown. And um, so you have six 
on the defensive side to offensive. And so, guys, what are some of your thoughts there uh, on the eight acquisitions from the transfer portal for the Pirates? I, I got a question for for all of y'all. Um, the 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 player that walked out there in the bowl game, what was his name, Bobby? He was Juwan Powell. Juwan Powell was a cornerback, correct or safety? He had been safety, and this year he converted over to corner. Would you, at this point, being he's in the portal and he wanted to come back, being we just lost Malik Fleming, would you just welcome him back? I don't think so, and the reason why uh, I'm sure is I mean, is apologetic as he was and wanting to rejoin the program. I think the precedent it, it sets, you know, taking off his uniform at halftime and walking out on his team. I think uh, that's a bad direction to go, and um, I, I think they're going to do everything they can to help Jawan find an excellent new home. It's a good fit for him, but I, I don't think that would be. Good to welcome him back. What do you think, Matt? That's what I was going. to – Yeah, Matt. That's what I was going to say. Is like, how would you feel with the with the brothers you had, uh, you know, uh, there on the defensive side of the ball, and all of a sudden this guy quits uh, at the Liberty Bowl. The Liberty Bowl. Oh, okay. When he played, yeah. Yeah. back at his time, you know, they. I got what you're saying. Thirty, thirty, nothing blowout that we lost in '94. You know, and and people get pissed off. We're pissed off. We're not playing well. We're playing against the. I'm just, you know, I, I'm curious what Matt thinks too. But I'm just thinking, what's out there? And, you know, he started for us this year. Granted, our secondary sucked this year, uh, but you know, he started for us. If he wants back on the team and he's genuinely sorry, you, you, you treat him like C.J. Johnson. You let him back on the team, and you say, "Son, you're gonna have to earn your way back. You're gonna have to earn your playing time." And you 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 make him work his ass off and do extra things, probably. You know, public, um, not public service, but uh, uh, you know what I mean. Uh, like, go to children's hospital, that kind of crap. Pick up trash. Uh, you, you make them do extra things. Um, I, I, I just, I don't, know. That. I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, if he wants to be here, and we're losing secondary players left and right, I, I, I would also get my teammates' opinion. How does the team feel about it if they let him back on the team, Matt? What, what, how would you react to that as, as a former player? I, I tell you. I think I, I well I wouldn't like it I wouldn't like it um, but I also understand things do happen you know there are over the course of a season these intense college football seasons there's going to be conflict between coaches and players um, it happens um, it's kind of part of the game however leaving the locker room mid game that's kind of going a step beyond in my opinion right. now I'm all for giving a guy a second chance but I I think. We have to take into account there does seem to be with a lot of not a lot, but a few of the outgoing seniors. It seems like this this program is at a point where maybe there's some discipline issues creeping in over the last few months. And I think you need to stamp that out. Um, and, and I think it could set a very bad precedent if you were to bring him back. Um, so you have to take that into account. You know, now I'll also say. I do think the timing, bringing in the new secondary coach from Temple, I think this is a good time to kind of wipe the slate clean and yeah. move forward. And, and, you know, you have a new coach there, very highly regarded in the industry, supposed to be a dynamic recruiter. You have the portal at your disposal. I do think this is a pretty good time to wipe the slate clean and just start new. You said the right magic words to the precedent. Like, I, I don't like the fact that you're not playing me enough. You're not putting me in the position I want to play, blah, 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 blah. I mean, taking off your uniform 
leaving your team out there is like being in war and I just walk off the battlefield and leave my brothers behind. I just, that's the problem I have. And I, I will say, I'm going to add this and I'll pitch it to you, Bubba. My personal feeling is I don't think this was the first time he's ever done anything like this. I think this was a final straw and maybe this is a, the worst thing he's done. Um, but for me, I, I find it hard to believe. I, I think there were some locker room lawyers this year. I really do that were yep. that were that were getting in people's ears, uh, yes. and, and 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 promoting crap like this. And uh, I, I and I have a couple ideas of who they are. I won't name names because yep. I don't think it's a good idea to. But uh, I, I think uh, I think maybe um, somebody was in the ear of Jawan Powell. Um, that encouraged him not to take his uniform off. But, man, I wouldn't put up with that crap, that kind of thing. Yeah, the only and- thing I can think of um, from an East Carolina perspective that compares to this um, is seven or eight years ago, you guys will recall Kentrell Barkley, a very talented um, basketball player from the yeah. Triangle area for the Pirates. Um, he got upset and you know, stormed – stormed out of the locker room and left during the middle of the game, and he was not uh, welcome back to the program. That was during um, that, that transitional year when Michael Perry was our interim head coach, oh, and, and then he did not return under uh, Joe Dooley in his first season. Yeah, I mean, again, uh, not to beat a dead horse, but I, I really – my thing, and guys with the portal as well, I, I think that – it closes out as it's tomorrow, but then it opens back up again in March. So um, I would be even, and I'll say this, I would be even more angry if you have a guy, one of these guys, they're not going to do it, but let's say hypothetically I have a guy that leaves like a week before the uh, Michigan game um, or something like that. I know they probably wouldn't do that, but that's the only time I would be really angry. Any chance Malik Fleming um, just being a hothead? And now the portal closing up tomorrow. Uh, any chance Malik changes his mind? And would you allow him back on the team? I would do the same thing you said. For both of those two guys, Malik Fleming and Juwan Powell, I would put them. Uh, hey, I guess Coach Connors, Connors, if, Coach if, Connors if, Big John, so, work them to death, brother. Work them to death. Well, it, it depends on what Malik did. If he didn't do anything wrong, if, if he just if he kept his cool at the at the banquet and then just announced he was leaving afterwards and. And he says, hey, look, I made a bad decision. I don't really think he did anything wrong. Right. I understand what you're saying. It was just the fact that the decision to leave the team is uh, if that if that is true, I'm trying to be fair to him, then that was really lame. But when you look uh, at Jamie Chad, not Jamie Chadwell, but the quarterback at Coastal, you know, he he, he entered the portal, then decided to stay. So, you know, I wonder if Malik might end up doing the same thing. I don't have a problem, but I, I do agree. Uh, and Matt, uh, speaking of um, speaking of what Kyle, I want to add to that, Kyle, real quick about the locker room lawyers. I think if you want to know why we didn't have the, you know, the people are blaming Holton Aylers. The reason why we didn't have the season we wanted to have is exactly we were hearing and we were trying to be fair to the program. We love Mike Houston, so we don't want to be a distraction or negative Nelly. Um, but we were hearing that all season long. And then with the Houston game, um, those guys laid down, absolutely laid down. They did not play at the level. And again, that, that would be one thing I would say is, uh, can you trust these guys that they're not going to do the same thing after the Houston game uh, with that mess that they were doing? That was totally ridiculous. Um, that's the one thing I would worry about. But overall, I would say, Kyle, if they want to come back, 
Um, they have well, I to, think Malik is a different situation than uh, than um, Juwan Powell. Juwan Powell, yeah, I think it's totally different. I agree with you. you know, on the, that. the one thing I'll say is I, I, it's I again. This is secondhand. Malik did not meet with the new secondary coach. Interesting. Um, the, the information as I have is that he opted not to. Um, so that tells that, me he that, yeah, probably is won't want to come back. Yeah, I could play a certainly play a, you know play a part in that. And that you know, hey, uh, as far as football is concerned, we're going to have more shows. Obviously, probably uh, in the next couple of days. But guys, uh, how about this note today, um, Bubba? I think Bubba has a graphic for baseball, but D one baseball has this eleventh. Um, how about that preseason? I know Cliff Godwin doesn't care about polls, but that is really great for our program. It's great for us to uh, for those of us that have a roundtable and a show to talk about. Uh, especially it's like the hot stove league for us now a few weeks away. What do you guys think about that? It's good to see. I mean, it, it um, kind of like Coach Godwin, it doesn't really mean anything now is where you finish at the end of the season. But it's, it, it's the expectations we have is to be a top 10 team. And uh, so number 11, um, you know, it's right there. Um, I, I think it's deserving. And uh, I think, uh, you know, I'm ready for baseball season. I think everybody is. Yeah, guys, uh, sidebar real fast. Juwan, uh, Javon, rather small, is out indefinitely. They don't know how long he's going to oh, be out. God. And uh, they, Coach um, Schwartz said that today. Four-game losing streak. I'm so depressed because um, I really like Coach Schwartz a lot, and I think he gets more out of these players than, than probably they even realized. Uh, they were playing great defense on the right track. And all of a sudden, we've lost four straight. So, I agree with you, Kyle. It's going to be tough, I think, the rest of the way for basketball, unfortunately, um, because I'm really excited about uh, the program and, and Coach Schwartz, his coaches, the recruiting, uh, the level of play, the defense, the mental toughness. Um, but we're going through yet again. Brandon Suggs got hurt last year. We had a six-game losing streak and this time last year. And here we have Juwan Small getting hurt, and we have a four-game losing streak. And hopefully, that will end tomorrow night in Temple. But that's uh, – that's going to be a tough. It's going to be ask. tough without Javon. I mean, that's, yeah, that's point guard. That's that's uh, that's uh, that's, that's a tough out. Yeah, so, the guy's averaging 16, 16 and a half points a game, um, nearly six assists, also five and a half or six rebounds, and playing about thirty-five minutes per game. And so you, then you had a situation where where you had Caleb account. Um, you know, he had eleven points and five assists compared to just two turnovers, but. Um, and there he is going against Tyler Harris, who's a, a fifth-year guard who's played at Memphis, Iowa State, and now South Florida, and uh, and been a guy that's been scoring at double figures or uh, in double figures for for a long time now, and a, a veteran. So that that was a tall task, and now you're going to to Temple, uh, who's playing about as well as anybody in the league outside of Houston, and. They did lose on a, a buzzer beater to Kendrick Davis there in Philly over the weekend, but uh, the the Owls are playing excellent basketball, and they had Damian Dunn back. He had 23 or 24 in that buzzer beater uh, defeat to the Memphis Tigers. Uh, so uh, we're really going to have to to play well. That goes without saying to uh, have a have a chance in Philly um, on a positive note. Uh, you had Quentin DeBouge had his best career game as a pirate he had scored 17 i think it was just three or four games into the year against hampton um 
but he had 18 against the Bulls on Sunday afternoon. It was the third time he had scored in double figures as a Pirate. And then um, Brandon Johnson had his eighth double-double of the season, 16 points and 12 rebounds uh, in the losing effort. And then also want to um, shed some light on uh, Luigi Dubow or put a little spotlight on Luigi. Uh, he, he really got after it. Probably may have been a season high, 20 minutes, pulled down 10 rebounds. And he would have had more minutes had he – been able to stay out of foul trouble, and um, that certainly would have um, benefited the Pirates as as the the big four um, South Florida seven feet two hundred eighty pound uh, Russell Chua um, really had his way as as did Tyler Harris. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt about it. it was uh, tough at the office. Um, by the way, speaking of baseball guys, um, Bubba, I'm gonna put you on the spot here. Um, but I think the February 12th, is it, will that be our first extra innings? We've got that coming up. Um, it'll, it'll be February. Yeah, we'll probably do one on February 12th. That's the, the weekend prior to the season starting because uh, obviously the first series recap will come on February 19th when we're taking a look back at the, the three-game series against the George Washington Hippos. Well, they're still the Colonials for right now, right? Okay, Yeah, I knew that's kind of – but uh, those I had had to go with the hippos. Yeah, even though, uh, like you said, they're technically still the colonials. I thought what a retarded first, name. I really thought at first Jr. was pulling our leg. I thought he was joking, and then I realized he was not joking. But I really mm-hmm. thought he was being funny. Just sounds so ridiculous. Yeah, I thought he was making that up. And I wonder. I wonder if part of the reason they're doing that, you know, just from a marketing standpoint, like minor league baseball, yeah. all the crazy nicknames, thinking about uh, uh, apparel sales. Um, go ahead, Matt. Two words: woke culture. Yeah, exactly. Hey, uh, hey Matt, here's one for you. A question. Let's uh, get for you from Shell. Um, he he had a question for Matt. Uh, Shell does. Matt, who, in your opinion, is the best all-around athlete you played with or watched play for the Pirates? Good show. Always enjoy it. Thank you, Shell. Oh, man, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. Shell, no, I'm not taking the high road on you. I, I'm gonna, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to think about that, and uh, I'll bring it to the next show because that, that is a tough one. I want to answer that one uh, correctly. So you want to sleep on it? I'm going to sleep on it, Shell. <laughs> to, be, to be continued. All right. All right, it's, that's too, cool. it's too important of a question to get it wrong, so I need to get and, thoughts. And we love Shell. He's one of the best. And kind of um, – this wouldn't necessarily be my answer, but a guy that would certainly be in consideration would be um, a guy that Matt Semenza talked about here recently, and that is Mofo um, because of his versatility. No, he wasn't the fastest, um, but and he wasn't necessarily flashy in, in certain ways. but. Uh, the way he could return punts, um, you know, he would he would really deliver a blow um, to you. And he, he could he just had a nose for the football, um, whether it was forcing a fumble or intercepting a pass. Matt, you remember that game? I guess it was uh, Morris Foreman's senior season in '95 up at uh, West Point at Mikey Stadium. Uh, he he did it all that day, uh, whether it was in the return game. I think he did he force something like. Yeah, I think maybe he uh, forced a fumble. He intercepted a pass. He he did um, three or four different things. Yeah, he put on a clinic how to defend the triple option, and he was responsible for the pitch man and uh, 
you know, he, he definitely put on a, a show that day. So, yeah, I mean, right off the bat, Bubba, that's a really good one. Um, you definitely couldn't go wrong with, with that answer. And, and the reason I go there is because of him saying all-around athlete, just his versatility. And, and then obviously, obviously you have a guy like uh, Dwayne Harris that would come to mind. Um, well, Matt didn't play with Dwayne Harris. Right, but he, he just said – he, he said overwatch play. I can oh. tell you, Dwayne Harris is my favorite uh, player that's ever come through the program. I can tell you that without question. I, I love that player. Just, just uh, tough as hell playmaker, could block, could – I mean, just just unbelievable talent. Yeah, if you want to talk about watch play, I think Dwayne Harris is the best college football player I ever saw at East Carolina. Yeah, he was one that whenever you were grateful that, that Donnie K, um, everybody busts on Donnie K, but he recruited – Dwayne Harris, and let I'll me tell you somebody else. It would been didn't mean to cut you off, Dave. It's an obvious answer, and people people won't think about it because he was a quarterback. But David Garrard could have played several different positions. Oh my God, yeah, he could have easily played linebacker, don't you think, Matt? Linebacker, tight end, tight end. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah, yep, no doubt. No one help he could play play running back. He was um, well, he was highly recruited by Tennessee. They really wanted him to be a tight end, if I remember correctly. And another How guy, about Keith Stokes, kind of, guys. He's uh, under, was uh, excellent too, but he just didn't play here long. Yeah, under the radar, Matt. I think in the end of your career, um, maybe crossed over with the beginning of his pirate career. Um, but his versatility there, at the in tight end and a uh, fullback position, uh, Rashawn Burns uh, from from New Jersey. Oh wow, yeah, I forgot about him. Another, yeah, another Jersey guy. Rashawn Burns was a really good athlete, no doubt about it. He he was. For a bigger guy, he could run really well. And, uh, you know, we need to get Rashawn on the show. I'm going to work oh, on that. Oh, yeah. I think he would yeah. probably love to do it. Great and, uh, player, man. Fellow Jersey guy. Yep, yep. He came right from the same county as uh, Scott Harley and Dan Gonzalez. And I can't you know, wait to hear how he had never heard of East Carolina. Yeah, and uh, speaking of which, uh, we need to have this on another <laughs> show. But what about – by the way, but just to explain that every single player we have on that wasn't from North Carolina, it seems like the first thing they say, "Well, I'd never heard of East Carolina." <laughs> yeah, true that, and uh, Matt, another sh- uh, another topic for another show. Let- let's talk about the pipeline in New Jersey. There's been a lot of New Jersey guys that come down, including yourself. I'm not cussing up to you, but um, we need to get that New Jersey pipeline back. That was great. I think there's a lot of great uh, players that we're missing out on, and Maybe the diamonds in the rough. I hate that. That's such a cliche, obviously. But there's a lot of great players out of the state of New Jersey that we could get. There, there really are. It's, it's just become so heavily recruited now. Okay. I think, I think with Rutgers going to the Big Ten and Penn State recruits Jersey hard. Even Notre Dame, they come into New Jersey hard. And, um, but, but there's definitely really quality football players there. I would love to see I would love to see us tap into New Jersey, PA, and Ohio more often. Rust Belt. Rust yeah. Belt recruiting uh, with Matt Semenza. Uh, hey, guys, uh, let's talk really quick because uh, I know you don't like the NFL, but we're going to mention the Pirates in the NFL. J- Zay Jones. Oh, let's do Johnny, Johnny first. George Washington's papers mentioned that he saw a hippo in the mud of the Potomac River. So in 1996, GW put a hippo statue on campus in 1996. 
rubbing the hippo's nose is supposed to bring okay all okay. right okay well at least there's some sense to to that i think it's stupid that they're changing their name but at least they there's some sense to them choosing the hippo all right uh going back to the nfl real quick uh how about zay jones zay went eight for 75 and 35 yard td versus the chargers and they that I tell you what, the Chargers should be ashamed of themselves because it was the difference between two halves in that game, that Jacksonville comeback. And by the way, guys, how about um, I don't know if you sidebar real quick. How about Trevor Lawrence? Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence celebrated the victory over the Chargers at, at what restaurant, Kyle? Do you know? Uh, in and Out Burger. No, that's a good guess. Uh, how about Waffle House, the People's uh, Champion? Did he get a chair thrown at him? No. Ah, Wild Wild's ain't that bad, Matt. Wild Wild's ain't that bad. <laughs> Unless you go on a Friday night. I'm going to tell you what. I, I'm not going on. I'm not going to the Wild Wild's in Kenson at 2 a.m. on a Friday night or Saturday Woo! night. But, uh, I, uh, you know, I will go there on a Sunday morning from time to time. There By the go. way, for, for anybody that doesn't realize this, when we're talking Waffle House, that menu that they put in front of you, that's not their entire menu. You can ask for a bigger menu. And they have all kinds of stuff on it. But a lot of people think that little small menu with the all-star and then that's it. And then then the other stuff with it, they have an entire like three page menu you can ask for. So if you didn't know that next time you go to the Waffle House, ask for it. That's just like their faves, right? Yeah, correct. Yep. Yep. Uh, Deontay Smith, he's obviously with the Bengals, Bengals and Bills this week. And how about Linville Joseph? Man, one of the, speaking of great players, uh, he's in the Eagle Eagles. Well, he's had a long career one. now. Yes, he is. He, yes, he is. Hey, Matt, the G-Men against the Eagles in the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, for, uh, is that the first time ever the two of them have played? I think in the playoffs. I don't remember it ever. My, my thinking off the top of my head. But anyway, Linville Joseph, uh, really happy for him. And, uh, man, I I would argue he's, he, he's on the bubble. I would have to look at his stats again to be in the NFL Hall of Fame. But he's in my Hall of Fame. And. He's daggone close if he's not uh, to be a future NFL player, but we'll see. But uh, a Hall of Famer, that is. But uh, Now, here's a question. Does Kyle uh, – Dave, you're a Redskins fan. Yeah. Bubba is a Carolina Panthers fan. Is that right? Bubba doesn't care. Bubba doesn't – Bubba is – Yeah, I'm exempt. I pull for the Panthers, but um, it's – yeah, I'm not a diehard Panthers fan by any means. All right. So now, what about uh, what about you, Kyle? I don't think we ever talked about. This. Uh, I don't give two shits about the NFL, but if you ask me, I would say the Panthers. <laughs> yeah, Matt, I, I pull for the Panthers, but it's pretty much you know, like we just went over who the Pirates have on certain teams. I, I'm I'm pulling for the teams that have Pirates. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and and like I'm I'm like Bubba, you know, I'll, I'll pull for the Pirates and the, and the pros, and if the Panthers are making a playoff run. You know, the year they played in the Super Bowl, I'll pay attention, but I, I don't care. I'm not a – it's hard for me to get in pro sports in general. Um, I will watch a little Major League Baseball cheer for the Cubs if they're in a playoff race, but that's a, that's about it. I don't get too much into pro sports. Um, I do want to make a point here before we wrap it up. Um, um, as me and Dave have talked about in the past, uh, Ticketmaster sucks. Um, I, I uh, Don't get me started. I uh, I paid thirty five dollars to get Eric Church fan club membership so I get the pre sale code because Cody Jenks is up in Foreman Raleigh. I'm a huge Cody Jenks fan. Eric Church is just so so. So I paid thirty five dollars to get the Eric Church fan club membership so I can get. Wait for it. If you know Walnut Creek, 
I, I'm section nine row S. I did get aisle seats, seats one and two. So I paid thirty dollars to get crappy seats. Uh, and by the way, that was to get the fan club membership. The tickets for those crappy seats with service charges were three hundred and forty nine dollars. Woo! To sit up front, to sit up front to go see Eric Church with Cody Jenks opening for him is anywhere between four and six hundred dollars. Uh, yeah. Concert tickets are getting outrageous. The artists are ridiculous. Yes, there are cheap tickets to see Eric Church and Cody Jenks. If you want to sit on the lawn, I'm not a long guy. I want to be able to see um, where I'm sitting at now. I'm going to have to use binoculars to see, um, but at least it is under the pavilion. But Ticketmaster's out of hand. They 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 don't even they don't even try anymore. Even with these pre-sale codes, look, I was in the queue, got in there, I was clicking tickets, and while I was clicking them. I would click a ticket and it would disappear. The seats would disappear before I could get it in my inbox because bots were buying. There's no human that can buy. No, I who I'm clicking the ticket. So you, are you that much faster than me? No, your bots are buying the tickets. Yeah. And Ticketmaster don't do a damn thing about it. And these scalpers will join these fan clubs to get the pre-sale codes because they can buy six tickets per per membership, twenty per tour. Um, and they, they, it, $35 is nothing to them, but they're going to make hundreds of dollars reselling them. And, yep. uh, something needs to be done. It is, it is getting in is it, this year is the worst. I, I tried to get tickets to see, um, Tyler Childers at Red Hat, um, sold out before I could get them. I did get, I did manage to get tickets and there's still tickets available for Eric Church and, and Cody Jenks, but the prices are ridiculous. And if I didn't love Cody Jenks so much, I would not have paid that much. You know, to me, Dave, what I paid for those tickets, three hundred forty-nine dollars, two tickets, that should be in the first ten rows. Exactly. I was going to make that. You know, it's funny, uh, guys. Ninety-one. I'll say this real quick: how ticket prices have gone out of control. Out of control. I remember Don Henley opened up. I'm um, not opened up, um, but the first year of Walnut Creek was 1991. In July of 91, I saw Don Henley and Susanna Hoff. Who and had, all you wanted to do was dance. Yeah. And Susanna Hall, so and I love very much for the bagel, the Bengals. Um, she actually uh, is 64 years old today. Happy birthday to her. She opened up for Henley. Anyway, those seats for Gold Circle were 30 bucks. Yeah. You know, the, the, Eagles, the Eagles are the reason why the ticket prices got so out of hand, where back then it was 10 or $15 for a, um, a lawn seat. Wow. And then there that oh, 94 hill freezes over to that's not the main reason tickets got out of hand. The reason tickets got out of hand is people quit buying music. And um, even off the streaming services, artists don't make the money they made during the 90s and 80s and 70s through album sales. So now they make all their money on tours. Um, so that's the reason really ticket prices got out of hand. The first concert I ever went to at Wanna Creek, and then we'll start wrapping this up, Dave. Uh, Clint Black. Um, I had gold circle seats, same price as you. Thirty, I think it was 35 bucks. Yeah. And when I told my family how much I paid for the seats, they, you know, they were used to the seventies when it was 10 bucks. So they're like, what? I remember in 99, when I got tickets for John Mellencamp and gold circle and they were 60 bucks, I was like, Oh my God, that's ridiculous. Yeah. So, uh, and by the way, one more thing is I'm a huge fan of the judge. One on a judge. She has a show up in Fairfax. Um, it's opening night for baseball. That's why I'm so like, Oh my gosh. But it's only twenty nine dollars to see Winona Judd. I just that, that was amazing, and it's Ticketmaster. So I thought, well, they're was... playing big venues because it was going to be the Judds together. So yeah. now it's Winona by herself playing the Judd song. So they kind of have to do that. I'll, I'll I'll say this before we wrap it up. I'll give credit. The best place to go see a concert for cheap tickets, well, Red Hat if you can get them, but 
PNC Arena, I will say this, versus Walnut Creek, you can buy cheap tickets there and still enjoy yourself because of the way the setup is, uh, particularly if the stage is in the middle of the arena. Um, the setup there, I would rather buy a cheap seat at PNC and watch it with my binoculars in the second or third tier than buy a cheap seat at Walnut Creek and sit on the lawn and not be able to see a damn thing and have to deal with drunks. Well, I, I, I love the lawn, but I'm just one of the... I love the lawn, but anyway, um, but I, I, if I had a choice, of course, I would do that. All right. Uh, you guys ready to get out of here, Bubba? I know I appreciate all your support and what you do for the show, brother. And uh, we're getting, I know it's almost 11 o'clock Eastern here as we wrap things up, but uh, want to do a show. Appreciate everybody very much. And I want to thank our great sponsors, right? Yeah. Appreciate Kevin Walker, LNK Custom Homes. Um, licensed general contractor in the Greensboro area, but uh, he can certainly, you know, accommodate you wherever you are. Um, I'm sure if you'd like to build a home, uh, 336-688-8461 or kwalkerkev at aol.com. Also appreciate the support of Mark Minikazi. Uh, uh, he's going to be managing a team in the same independent league this year, um, but uh, he's going to be uh, moving from – Lexington, Kentucky, that is, to uh, the state of Maryland. We'll have more on that in an upcoming show. Um, we'll have Cos back on. Uh, but pgxgloves.com, uh, baseball season is here. So uh, custom baseball gloves, batting gloves, uh, football wide receiver gloves, DB gloves, uh, swag and apparel. Uh, use promo code ECU for 25% off your bill at checkout. And I uh, also want to give a plug for the Pirates Unite uh, Capital Campaign. Uh, we've raised $16 million out of the $60 million, uh, f- according to uh, reliable sources. I think the latest update on the website uh, was $15 million back on January 3rd or so. But um, make your contribution today so we can make that indoor practice facility a reality. Uh, I'm, I'm in agreement uh, with uh, Rini and Golia that um, not that the – NIL contributions to Team Boneyard uh, are not important because they certainly are, but uh, I think we need to keep the main thing, uh, the main thing, and in my opinion, the main thing is the uh, indoor practice facility because that's long, long overdue. Um, and at the same time, uh, you know, if you can make a make a gift to Team Boneyard, um, go to teamboneyard.org, and uh, we'd love to have you do that as well. And we'll attempt to uh, get, you know, some of those folks on the program here in the coming days. Um, I think we're making some progress there. Uh, And so um, as that happens, we'll have them on the program to talk about it and join the Pirate Club. And the Pirate Club, uh, I want to say we finished the year right around 6,000, give or take. Um, But we'll uh, hopefully, you know, have Ryan Robinson back on soon, the executive director, and we'll see where we finished up in 2022 and what the goals are for 2023. But, um, you know, going back to 2008 or 2009, we had as many as 83 or 8,400 Pirate Club members. So um, that's something that you can do essentially for the price of one fast food meal uh, per month. Um, and for just a little over eight bucks, you can join the Pirate Club. No gift is too small. Um you know, embrace the power of one, both in joining yourself and also getting uh, at least one other person to to join the ECU Pirate Club. Go to ecupirateclub.com or call 252-737-4540. Uh, 
um, to join the team behind the teams today. Uh, yes, indeed. And we have a, a trifecta kind of thing when it comes to fundraising. So thank you, um, Bubba, for that. Appreciate it very much. We'll get out of here. Appreciate all of you. Thanks to uh, Rini Angolia. One of thanks to thanks my special thanks, obviously, to Kyle, Matt. Thank you, brother, very much. I know you're playing injured, uh, playing hurt tonight. Thank you, brother, so much. Bubba, thank you so much as well. Guys, uh, we'll get out of here. Until next time, you've been watching and listening to the Sports Objective. Good night, everybody, and go Pirates. Touchdown with the cannons blast. Get it on, get it all, get the way going like the hurricane, y'all.